two. Yeah, episode officially, two. Officially, episode one, I suppose. Yeah, the Maybe. first one was a beta, beta run. It's yeah, it was an omega. Omega. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Today's today's the beta. Next time's the alpha, and then we go. We're gonna yeah. go live. We're going in opposites. We're going the. We're leveling up as we <laughs> yeah. go, gaining XP. But so, uh, so Evan, today yeah. was today was Monday. Mm-hmm. And you you had to deal with a lot of of your um, of your customers or what do you call them? Your, <laughs> your clients. Well, they're technically my coworkers. Your coworkers. Now I I work for a single company. I used to work for a company that would do IT for a bunch of different companies and businesses, schools, whatnot. And so that was a little crazier because it was a million different environments all set up really different. Um, and just to provide context here, I'm a uh, system administrator, AKA just IT guy type person. So that's what I do in my current role is I just serve as the single IT person for this company. and. Well, previously, I was doing stuff for a bunch of different companies. And now, a little less stressful, but more so in different ways. Because it, the previous uh, stuff, it was the responsibility fell on like the company, on the IT company itself, rather than myself as a single system administrator. Because the way that these IT outsourcing companies work... The term is called uh, MSP. That's like the abbreviation. Okay. Um, and it stands for a managed service provider or managed services provider. And, you know, a small business, if you go into like a restaurant or any small store and you look around, you might see they have like an access point up on the wall and they have their um, POS system, their cash register. Their, maybe they have a little like square card reader thing. Um, they're not going to have an IT guy on site to fix that stuff when it breaks. They whenever. can't. They can't afford that. They can't have someone on like always there and always. I'd say the majority of businesses cannot afford like to have a single IT person there on site, like small businesses. But, but you're a guy who can come in every once in a while and and. Uh, well, that's why they hire companies like the one that I previously worked for because it was much more lucrative for them. The the business to go ahead and you know they pay for for example a lot of msps they'll do a certain amount of hours like per month like you can i worked for one where they had multiple different like packages like gold like oh the the funny thing the way and this is you know lots of is it a scam evan is it a scam it is not a scam (laughs) it's not a scam (laughs) what is uh interesting though is the support tiers so they'll have like levels different levels of pricing and uh the one company that i spent the most time working for they only did unlimited uh they didn't have like paying by the hour because there's a whole bunch of like billing and timekeeping stuff that they just didn't want to deal with so um flat rate yeah the one place that i worked for for a couple months they it was like the uh platinum ultra platinum like double platinum oh, and then no. gold. Gold was like mm, gold. I don't know. Gold was better than platinum. <laughs> no, gold is the uh, gold is the low tier. Gold, gold low is tier. like we'll get to your service request in like a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels like a month to them for sure. And like it, the SLA, the service level agreement, uh, is the literally the level of service that the IT company agrees to provide for a small business or whoever employs them. So if a triple platinum uh, customer submits a a work request Mm -hmm. and a gold member company submits a work request, would you prioritize the triple platinum customer in theory? Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's how it works. You you have to prioritize based on who's paying the most money, and that's where I kind of got over the IT outsourcing business, the MSP business, but that's where everyone in IT starts, the majority of everyone. From what I've seen online and just in terms of experience, getting the experience that you need, because IT is a job that you can do without a degree. You don't need one to 
get started as like a bench tech, you know, just doing straight up desktop support. What like, we were, what we were doing in high school, basically, as, yeah. as as computer nerds, you can go into that job pretty much. Yeah, if you're a nerd, you they you just go in and you just <laughs> you just do what you like doing as a you're, nerd. But you're you're at the beck and call of that employer, though. Yeah, but yeah, you are. It's um, it can get stressful just because of the when you work for a company that's handling a bunch of different clients and they all have a bunch of different environments. Like they've all had some, you know, they maybe hired some consultant. 10 years ago to set up everything and then it's never been changed and they may have hired a couple other people to come in and install like uh, a wi-fi uh mesh router system like uh unify that's what we used to set up all our clients with the unify stuff nowadays that's pretty like one click turnkey isn't it yeah yeah which is awesome that's super easy to do that um i prefer using unify now just in general because they're just a Really inexpensive. You can get it from Amazon uh, really fast. That's the one that Bobby's always pr- proselytizing, right? Oh, yeah. Right? He loves Unify. He's all about that. He's equipped his entire... Um, <laughs> his whole household is just filled with Unify stuff. He had his, like, when he was living at his parents' house, he had them replace all the routing equipment <laughs> with the Unify stuff. Anything, anything less is subpar. Yeah. I know, I've heard good things, and they have lots of good security patches and updates on, like, most of these uh, botnet routers <laughs> that you get from these cable companies. Yeah, I was actually dealing with that the other day. I was at my mom's house uh, trying to get into her Spectrum router because I thought there's there was something weird going on with it. I was just looking at the signal strength on her computer in her living room, and it had like three out of four bars. And I thought, this is like 25 feet away from the router. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I tried to, you know, go to the classic 192.168.1.1. Oh, 1.1. Yeah. It differs between routers. It differs, but that's the, the general standard. I mean, if you want to get on the real nerdy thing, it, it's like the typical private IP address range for a class C address is 192.168.1.1 slash 24 subnet mask. I wouldn't know that. That's, see, that's the stuff you learn in the certifications that wow. you try and get if you don't have a degree. In my case, I had a degree that was not relevant at all to what <laughs> you got, <laughs> I was trying you to You minored do. in GIS, right? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I technically majored in that. It was my specialization, but it was difficult to find a job. And I say that, but I also just could have not been trying that hard enough. <laughs> I wasn't really <laughs> feeling it at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought you, you okay, could still I, pivot. You could still pivot into GIS. Yeah, I could. Like I, I remember how to do the cartography, and it's a lot of just database work. If you're familiar with how a SQL database or any sort of how a table or a spreadsheet works, you can <laughs> work in GIS. Wow. Um, it's just the manipulation of uh, location data. That's all it is. Just taking taking data and putting a location on it and then mapping it and drawing correlations or making a hypothesis. I don't know. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So when you get certifications, because that's the, the route that people suggest you do in IT if you don't have a degree, at least when I started, was you go and you get a certification like a Cisco CCNA certification, which was like quote-unquote like the standard for if you wanted to become a sysadmin system administrator that's like the high level of think like i guess software engineer right like you like you're familiar with like software engineer is like a career level right like at your job so sysadmin is like the software engineer level What's, what's above that that would be uh, senior system administrator or system architect, systems engineer. They, it varies based on the place. But what's, what's the top dog? The top dog is the director, IT director, uh-huh. um, or CIO, or um, what's what's like the without managing people. What's the most <laughs> what's the most technical role? I mean, that's the system systems engineer, systems architect. It's like how you know. At your job, right? Like architect is like the ultimate. I am now. You are an architect. A senior software architect. Yeah. What do you think that entails, Evan? What do you think I do on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> yeah, this as will a be senior software be architect. 
So as a senior software architect, I think what you do, and I mean, in terms of like what you're supposed to do in your job, not what you actually do, <laughs> but I think you handle uh, change requests to code. So the lower level people, um, like probably you might be on a team um, and you might be overseeing a couple different projects or aspects of different code bases. Okay. And you are one of the approvers for when the lower level engineers, they submit changes um, and you can approve those changes or reject them. And then those get brought into the code base or you suggest things or edit and whatnot. Interesting. And that's a really low, that's basically like, you know, looking at it as like an editor type perspective. But I also think you probably do a lot of um, coding yourself working on, I don't know, like the general concepts of a program of your company. Like I'm just so far removed from like any, I've never worked in or for a client that had developers yeah. I, they one of the places i worked for an engineering firm uh they had one developer that they hired on, yeah and that was it and so i don't really know how it works so go ahead and uh, explain it to yeah, me yeah so you had, you had, you had, uh so your initial point was oh also um do you want a white claw oh no i'm good okay. thank you though i appreciate i appreciate the but offer explain so your initial point was uh you were describing what's called a pull request which is where somebody submits uh, some proposed changes to the code and then people look it over and say yay or nay. You did a good job or here's what you need to change. And so yeah, I am uh, a part of those, but technically everyone, junior, senior, anyone could do that. You can look over the code. Really? Yeah, um, if you have contributions to make to a code change set, like we're always ears. Um, what differentiates like a junior and a senior guy or woman or, right, right. or non-binary. Yes, exactly. Or whatever. Yes. There you go. Um, is just the experience that allows you to architect solutions. So I figured experience would be the, the main, it's, it's always the main factor. thing. It's yeah. like, you're not going to trust someone fresh out of college to design like the architecture of a major in my case, like <laughs> naval platform, uh, yeah. like architecture, right? Like you're, yeah. you want to trust someone who's been there, done that, and mm -hmm. like seen some stuff. Um, in theory, I am a, I am at that level, and that's my my pay grade. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I I haven't made any major like architectural suggestions, but like I understand the arc. The reason why I'm like working at that pay grade right now is because I've worked on this particular program for. A number of years and um they know that i know the system's pretty dang well um but anyway anyone will find this out in software if you special if you have a specialty and like and th in my case it's that i know this particular system very well like you can make inroads in in that industry if you know a particular uh you know software language is very well you can make inroads in an industry not pipe like you know something like Python. Everyone knows Python, but you mm -hmm. you learn something like uh, like D or C <laughs> or C plus plus like really really well. Not like hey, not like I wrote a C plus plus program like one time. Yeah, five years ago. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I've been working C plus plus for ten years. Yeah, you're gonna be valuable. You're gonna get hired on. And I'm assuming having like. Uh contributions to known open source repositories that might help yeah, in some way if you want to be if you want to like go above and beyond i've heard i've heard like people i mean technically i have done that like i, I contributed to my one of my college's things as part of a you know summer one of your classes internship. or something oh it internship. was a summer internship research thing so that that code is open source online so it's cool to have that but you know most of the average software developers that i've ever met like the at the end of the day, like there's only 40 hours, like a work week. And then by the time you come home, you're exhausted. Where the, where the, where the heck do these people get time to work <laughs> on these open source projects? I don't understand it. I haven't done it. I applaud them for doing it because we use open source software every single day. But yeah, it gets to a point for me. It would be a point like I make too much money to care about doing open source <laughs> stuff. 
<laughs> it's it's not that. It's, it, I just don't understand how people find time to do that. It's just like I already feel overwhelmed at the amount of things I, I do in a given week. Like how the heck do the people find time to contribute? I applaud those people. I totally agree with that. I feel the same way with, in my field, scripting. Scripting is uh, something that's desired for IT people nowadays, especially in enterprise IT. And you can't just get away with being a desktop tech in a sysadmin position now. You need to know how to use... Wait, I need to guess what you use. Oh, yeah. Guess what I do every day. So you mentioned scripting. My duties, so yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that, actually. I wouldn't have guessed that you are writing scripts, but... Now, now I now I have to guess like what languages, what what you're doing in these scripts. So, <laughs> I'm gonna guess if you work on Windows systems, you're writing some. I forget what the Windows equivalent, but like starts with a B. Oh, uh, not, <laughs> it's not it's not Bash, obviously. That's that's Unix. Uh, Are you thinking of the more advanced one or the basic one that's been around for forever, like for Windows? Basic, Visual Basic. No, no. <laughs> that is actually one that's. That's hilarious. Basic. Yeah. Uh, um, batch. Batch. B-A-T-C-H. Yeah. Yes. B-A-T-C-H. Batch, yeah. Batch. So you can use that to like set up whole swaths of systems or something like that. <laughs> okay. Go on. Go like, on. I remember you used to work uh, like for elementary schools and you had to set up like hundreds of computers at a time. I'd imagine you want to write a batch script to automate some, some like instead of tapping like next 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 for every windows install you got to do something like that yeah that makes sense um other things you do on a daily basis um you're responding to people's support requests hey uh this service outlook the outlook server's down you need to go um let's see (laughs) let's see when an outlook server when an outlook server goes down um I'm sure it's running on like Windows Server like 2016 or something. I've never touched Windows Server. Wow. But uh, I assume you go in and they have some <laughs> sort of task monitor thing and you go in there and look to see whether it's running or not. And it'll just restart the program <laughs> if it's not <laughs> running. <laughs> um, you turn it off and you turn it on again. But other than that, Evan, I want to hear I want to hear from you. Yeah, I'll tell you. So you're you're on to something there. The main scripting language that I use now is PowerShell. That's the advanced scripting language within Windows. Uh, It's built into Windows. It's kind of the replacement for, I don't know if it's a replacement. It's just a uh, extension or a blend between batch scripting, which if you've ever used Windows before and you type in CMD and you pull up the little uh, terminal, that's you use batch commands to navigate through that. PowerShell is similar. You open up a blue window and you type in similar types of commands. So, so is this equivalent to bash in Unix pretty much? Yeah, it's a lot more, um, it's a little heavier. It's a blend between uh, batch and C sharp. That's the, uh, that's okay. what PowerShell is. Sounds better. Because it ba- bash in Unix is terrible. Yeah, it takes the simplicity of batch and uh and the extensibility of c sharp and you can uh do whatever you want in windows with powershell which is why it's super important and how you mentioned automating stuff when i worked at schools uh yes that's definitely something that we can do is that you want to do in it all the time is automate as much as you can and with schools we do something that's called uh imaging the computers where there's a uh, golden image. It's a uh, perfect computer, I guess. It's got all the drivers. It's got all the programs that need to be on the student computers. And what's really cool is we do a thing called uh, Pixie Boot. That's what it. It's P X E. Uh, that's where you boot from the network. Yeah. So you have a uh, the golden computer's image sitting on a network storage somewhere, yeah. and then. When you boot these computers, you essentially hit like F12 and then you select to boot from PXE and then you just get taken to an automated, what's called a, 
MDT, Microsoft uh, Deployment Toolkit, I think is the uh, You're the out term. of that game now, kid. You don't need to worry about that. Anymore. I actually set it up for my current company because it's super handy and I wanted to kind of learn how to do it myself. The, it was previously set up by like, a long time ago on uh, when I worked at the schools, but I wanted to try like a modern installation and see how it would do with Windows 10. And So, so could that help? I, you couldn't do that remotely. It, the computer has to be on the local network. It has to be on the local network. You can, yes, it needs to be connected to whatever network the deployment share is on where so, the So someone working remotely couldn't say, my computer's hosed, can you do a reinstall? <laughs> they could do it over the VPN and it would take, I don't know, two days. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it unless, needs unless to be have, on a unless LAN. Unless gigabit. Gigabit. Yeah, unless you have a gigabit upload and download on both ends. Um, so that's... The main thing is automation, and I do actually do a lot of scripting. What about Python? You ever touch Python? I have touched Python. I've never, like, been super into it. Like, I'd, I'd imagine for Windows, Windows is not friendly for. Yes, it's not friendly for Python usage. Uh, it's, un unless you're using the Windows subsystem or the Linux subsystem. Yep, WSL. Yeah. Lovely. That has made Windows a viable uh, developer platform. It's awesome, and they keep a. Uh, uh, upgrading it with the WSL two. I yeah, I, I haven't figured that out yet. Like, they they haven't made it like turnkey. Yeah, it's you not need, definitely need, not turnkey. Yet. You, you need to do a bunch of stuff to make. Like, I tried to do WSL two in like five minutes the other day. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't taking. So yeah, they they need to make that a little easier. Um, but it, in my opinion, Windows is now a better development platform than uh, OS X. Um, I've used uh, I've used Linux OS X. Uh, Windows, um, and even though OS X has Brew, I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, package manager. No, I'm not familiar with Brew. It's it's like, you know, it's just a package manager like Apt or right, just like a many Linux distributions. But yeah, yeah. it's like a janky third party one. So so it's it's not Windows is uh, a lot of people are very suspicious that they are actually like on the open source hype train or whatever like some people think it's a ruse to uh, there's something that's like the three e's with windows or microsoft the way they operate it's like extend or embrace extend extinguish or something <laughs> like that like how they approach yeah uh, technologies as soon as as soon as linux is just folded into their operating system they're just gonna just stamp it out mm -hmm. so yeah what wsl2 is crazy thinking that you can run a terminal with like Ubuntu, something, right? Like a yeah. super popular Linux distribution. And you can actually access your Windows, like, volumes, which are which is crazy to me. And, you know, to explain to people, uh, PCs, like Windows computers, have their hard drives formatted differently than a Linux computer would. Yeah. Like, the volumes that store all the data are different. So to be able to interrupt, like, operate in between those inside Windows is really crazy it's sick city yeah no mm -hmm. and i uh I, I have no hesitation using windows as a, a development platform now yeah that's um that's pretty awesome and i think you mentioned having never worked with windows server before so what's the deal with that i i tried to install <laughs> i tried to install it once to have like a plex torrent pie hole and it was yeah it was it, a it server it set it up as a server it was a mess like mm -hmm. i I, I didn't operate the way I expect Windows to operate. It does not. It is um, very different compared to your traditional Windows 10 installation. Um, Server 2016 and Server 2019 are the current versions, I guess. I don't know when 2016 is going out of support, but... Um, all I work I'm with I'm sure now, you could pay good money to keep it in support. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not that. Like, three years is... I'm gonna be like from the IT perspective, like you can't expect people to upgrade all their services every three years to a brand new server operating system that you don't know or even what could go wrong. When, when was it. Windows Seven released? Like, oh my god, 10, dude, 12, 12 years ago, something like that. No, way, way longer. Windows Seven was, um, gosh, like, cause I'm thinking when Vista came out. I think Vista came out. 05, 2005. I think 7 was like 
uh, either 2007 or 2008. So a long time, about 13 years. So yeah, it's out of support, by the way, too. So you can't. But no, no, no. But you can <laughs> you can pay Microsoft to continue as an enterprise. You can pay. Yes, Microsoft yeah, you get an ESU. And Which, there's plenty of companies who do that. Yeah, you so, pay like yeah. I think it's like five bucks per computer, and you get extended support. Imagine being the developer. Well, I guess I I don't know I don't you know. You are you the can. developer. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can empathize with the person who has to, who gets paid like pretty damn good money, but has to slog through this, thirteen year old like code base that everybody's abandoned to fix these like these bugs that just come up uh, by these hackers like every every single day Ugh, my heart goes out to you yeah i i totally and on the other hand i see you know why people want to stick with seven i get it right like oh it's it's, it's for mouse and keyboard it's far yeah, superior yeah yeah it is the just the interface it's great like that, there's a reason why people refuse to upgrade and i've seen stuff where people still try and get it to work on modern motherboards and chipsets which it, i don't think it really you have to do some pretty hacky shit yeah. to try and get windows 7 to work on like a brand new computer if you built a computer and tried to put windows 7 on it it's like trying to do a hackintosh yeah. which is like osx on yeah, a yeah. windows computer and and you know if if Windows 7 supported or like DirectX 12 or yeah yeah that's you know, true or like modern architectures I would use I would use it over mm -hmm. Windows 10 Windows 10 like trying to fuse tablet and re modern regular computers is just too much it's too it's too busy it's too much I appreciate that the, there's an iPad and a <laughs> Mac Macintosh computer you know yeah, yeah. Even though those lines are getting blurred yeah. with iPad OS. Yeah, it is now, becoming now that like the OS architecture X. is gonna be the same, like what's yeah, gonna, that's what's so true. There? That's so interesting. And I, I do want one of those ARM MacBooks, those new ones. Um yeah, with server I'm out, Windows. I'm, I'm, server. I'm having one of the muffins. All right, go for it. Um just don't eat into the microphone. Um <laughs> uh, Windows Server is good for Windows environments. So if you maintain a all Windows or majority Windows environment, which is like 90% of businesses, any large enterprise, I think they all go with nearly all Windows um, computers and laptops. It just is the easiest to manage on an enterprise scale and cheapest. And... You would get Windows Server so you can set up what's called a domain. Um, I thought Mac, I thought Apple had really good enterprise tools. You, you, it you does. It can that. do enterprise stuff. It can do. It has directory services. It can do LDAP, which is lightweight directory access protocol, and that is essentially using a username and password to log in. Um, through like a central database and it approves your login and that's how you get on your windows computer at school or at work that and ldap is also what's used if you have a copier and there's a limit on how many or there needs to be approval on who uses what copier it can be done through ldap so that's all the same authentication all the same windows credentials work through that if, protocol if, if money is no object and you're in charge do you go with Apple or you go Windows in terms of like setting up an enterprise solution? Windows, Windows, hands oh, yeah? down. It's okay. just the, it's the way to go. Um, and what's interesting too, is I read a lot about people who use Linux as system administrators. That is like a big, it's like this weird subset that I probably wouldn't be able to get involved with unless I was in a company that was doing software development yeah. or had a larger IT team. Everything that I've dealt with, we only deal with Windows stuff. Linux. I love Linux and mm -hmm. I don't Linux is a beast. You need to have you need to have such experience with Linux to be a good sysadmin. I've I've tried setting up my own Linux server at my house. Mm -hmm. Every time it just end up with a really hacky solution. <laughs> Every single time, <laughs> like you know, I try Docker, I try just native apps, I try. It's just at the end of the day, I always find like, oh, th 
you're on this distribu you're on this Linux kernel, you're on this distribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the st- the steps on this forum are are different because yes, yes, it's just so fragmented. There's no consistency. It's not it's not at all turnkey. Like you have to be a Linux guru to to have like a. I, I could totally empathize. Like I could totally empathize with that. Have you used Red Hat before? Yeah, it's the. Like the enterprise redacted oh okay gotcha (laughs) yeah red hat is the enterprise version of linux and that's what i've heard is the premier one that if you want stability and support you would go with that right yeah 100 percent agree with that statement um yeah that's why most companies pay for their premium red hat yeah i've i've uh when i worked with it i've submitted tickets to red hat and i've gotten responses like in a couple hours like they're Mm -hmm. on they're on top of it yeah Uh, there's a reason i'm sure it's expensive i haven't looked into how much it is it's expensive if i remember correctly it is pretty dang expensive but like their people are so on top of it so i mean supporting linux like imagine having to do tech support but you're supporting a linux distribution like you need to be so well versed in something that is not a daily drive not a daily desktop driver for people yeah. what i mean by that is like not something that people use every day or isn't in your daily life unless yeah. you force it to be a part of your daily life which i see some people have in their home you know real nerds they get they go full linux they have just on their entire pc a linux distribution no windows or anything like that uh, okay so this makes sense mm-hmm. so now that you're talking about it I just Googled CentOS, which is... Yeah, that's the free... That's the free version. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. So the only two Linux distros I've used in my career, Mm -hmm. Red Hat and CentOS. Those are the only two. And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. From an enterprise perspective, you only want to use like a known quantity, stable, Mm -hmm. like it's not changing. Uh, Because, you know, in my personal life... I've used Arch Linux. I've used Ubuntu. I've used many, mm-hmm. many flavors of yeah. the, the Debian. Trying a million Debian. different distros. It's always, there's always quirks. There's always differences. So yeah, that really makes sense. Uh, I haven't really thought about it much until you mentioned it, but it makes a lot of sense. In, in that same vein, you can look at it with hardware as well. Like think of every business or place that you've been in, every school that you've been in why every computer was a Dell, why every computer was HP. Oh, that makes sense. Those are the two biggest retailers in terms of enterprise computing. Dell's the biggest. They're way they're bigger and they're better than HP, in my opinion. I think HP is awful. They're enterprise <laughs> stuff. Uh, not their Shame on storage. You, HP. I appreciate they HPE, uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, um, they own a company called Nimble and they make a very awesome SAN uh, storage area network, which I still don't even have full knowledge of how it operates, but picture it as you're like a Synology, like a, a, a network attached network storage. Attached, okay. Yeah. So, but on an enterprise level where they have the one that where I worked at, it had, they had two. They had one that was all flash memory and then one that was a hybrid of flash and normal um like mechanical memory and all our stuff was backed up on all the storage every all the storage for the entire company was on this nimble and so if stuff happened to the the nimble it was bad for the entire company however their support was insane it was like super good just like how you said with red hat they were on it and they would actually they did a really cool thing with uh, firmware upgrades and this is a this is a poor thing about drawback with unifies. They have horrible firmware upgrade support. They, if you, their firmwares are always super unstable. In my opinion, I've never been like, Oh, I'm going to upgrade to the latest firmware on unify. Like is that as just soon a matter of out. quality assurance. Yeah. Like let's say you have, um, a campus with 400 unify access points and you start an automated upgrade of all of them. And then I don't know, 50 of them go offline and you have to go find them in the ceiling tiles in nailed to the walls and take a paper clip and stick them in the access points so you can establish a terminal connection with them and try and repair them 
with the Unify system, yeah, that is why firmware upgrades uh, those devices always. So you want some sort of fail. I need backup. to see, you know, I don't want to see a forum post from someone underneath when Unify staff posts new firmware is out, then three posts below some guy in all caps like i just upgraded my <laughs> hotel with this firmware and all the aps are offline it's bricked <laughs> yeah so okay that's one thing with unify but yeah as a drawback um what was i connecting that to oh like yeah just like with the storage their support was super good and what they would do with firmware is they would release it as i think they released like if you were willing to like opt in to beta ones, you could opt in to a beta firmware and they the they were the beta testers. They were the beta testers of the firmware. Wow. And once they figured everything out, then it would move to stable. And so you knew that it was at least tested in a production environment. Maybe. I mean some people some people get pretty reckless with that stuff. Why would you There's there's okay, so <laughs> uh, when it comes to code yeah, so, uh, you have best practices with code. And yeah, stuff, so right? actually, so sometimes, at least in coding, uh, if you're on the bleeding edge, I used to work on something called Xamarin, which is a cross-platform. You can program iOS and Android apps. Yes, at the same I, I'm, time. I'm aware of Xamarin, yeah. Long time ago, I used to work on that. Long time ago, meaning like three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I remember I would, I would have to just like, go into like the alpha or beta channel sometimes to get like stuff to work. Wow. <laughs> um, and actually sometimes the alpha and beta is more stable than like the stable. <laughs> but yeah, no, sometimes like you do need to go into the, the, the beta stuff to, mm-hmm. to get stuff that you need. Um, I've had to do that before. I've had to get like a, a beta patch to fix a production level application. Yeah. Or, or, in one case, I had to, I mean, when you deal with vendor support, like with a, a software that your company owns or purchases and it's having a problem and you're dealing with their support, they might just come out with a hot fix, a little patch, like just for you. Yeah. And you have to apply that. And that, of course, you know. And that makes you feel so powerful when you, <laughs> when you can influence a company to... Yes. Except, except right now. Custom when, solution. Except right now. Are you still dealing with that problem where the people haven't? Uh... I actually, that was resolved. So um, to give a very basic overview to people, I was dealing with an issue at my current company where they would have problems uh, accessing an application, which they always used to use uh, in a multi-user environment. However, the latest upgrade for that application broke that functionality so only one person could use it at a time this was a major pain and it took them over four months to come to us with a hotfix and the hotfix wasn't even an application it was five files that they had to overwrite in the system directory Uh. because they and you couldn't downgrade this program either i couldn't just downgrade it so we were stuck waiting for a solution from them and you know that that stuff gets a little frustrating at times dealing with support and a lot of it is account executive type people who are supposed to deal with you and be like we got a so there our dev devs are working on a solution it's in QA right now that was like 2 months ago when <laughs> we first got that and then finally the late last week i got a uh, one of the techs hit me up and said that he wanted to schedule an appointment to install the fix and Lo and behold, it worked, and we're back to normal after. Well, congrats. Three cheers. Yeah, yeah. Do you so. want a name and shame? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Can't do that, you know? But can't, can't disclose. Can't disclose. But, you know, going back to a, a server, right, to like a Windows server, what I use on a very basic level with a Windows server every day is I manage everyone's user accounts. Those are all stored on a Windows server direct it's called Active Directory. Okay. Is the system that maintains all your account information, your password. A lot of you can store a lot of stuff in there if you want. The main basics are just username and password, but you can put your uh, an administrator can put in like your phone number or your job title, uh, various other directory type information. And this directory is what everything, all your access, everything in that 
company is based off oh, of. Oh, okay. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, so, like, what gr- if you're part of a certain, for example, at the engineering firm that I worked at, they had various levels of compliance, clearance type things. Like, certain people could only access certain things. And so, you would put all those people who could access those things into a specific group, and then you could give that group uh, permissions over right, a folder. Right. And uh, yeah. they would be the only ones to see it. I stuff. know the equivalent in Unix. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so similar. basic permissions type stuff. Um, but it can also do everything like like networking services, DNS, DHCP. Right. That can all be done so through a Windows host, server. You can, you can host a website and stuff like yes, that. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. IIS is the... Uh, the Windows web server, like a like Apache or right. was it Nginx? Nginx, yeah, yeah. So Light EDP or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So that and I bet it makes um, like hosting Microsoft Outlook and OneNote and all that like a snap. Okay. So yeah. So Outlook. If you've worked at your company and you've used Outlook before in the past. Outlook used what, what's called um, the backbone of email. Microsoft's email is called Exchange. That's their email service. Yeah. So in the past, you would have a, and still, you know, in some larger companies or people that haven't moved to the cloud or upgraded, they have an Exchange server. It's a whole separate, like, generally like a virtual machine. Yeah. And... That contains everyone's mail, essentially everything that you see in your email, every part of that is contained in one centralized location. So if the Exchange server has problems, everyone's email goes haywire and goes crazy. And you can have someone's mailbox will corrupt and then you're having to go into like PowerShell and do all the scripting stuff to try and recover whatever mail you can. Um, One of the clients at a previous company I worked at, they were a very, very, um, they didn't pay a lot of money. They were not making a lot of money as a company and they had a lot of really old infrastructure and they had an ancient exchange server and it, it crashed. Like, and they, I was not working with them at the time but it was this whole problem they had to go through and do all this like bare metal recovery of the mailboxes. Oh, and then they were able to convince them to move it to the cloud, which um, I don't know if people have heard of Office 365 or Microsoft 365, but that is the, that's the service that you, nearly all businesses, if they're current and up to the times, they you have like a Microsoft 365 license and that's how you access your modern versions of word powerpoint excel um evan are you being deprecated by the cloud (laughs) are you as a sysadmin being deprecated no no i think i welcome the cloud it is deprecating some people but not me because i am super proactive about being involved with the cloud just because a service is being moved to the cloud and that some of the support uh, is handled by that vendor doesn't mean that there's a ton of administration that needs to be uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that has to be handled by an administrator especially on it's just like the average Joe can't uh, serve up his company or her company from Office 365 with little to no technical knowledge. Is that actually they can? Uh-huh. They can. They make it pretty easy now. You can go on GoDaddy and set up a full Office 365 tenancy with a new domain name. Like if I bought like uh, poop.com, I could set it up on GoDaddy and have add like 20 users. GoDaddy interfaces directly with Office 365, and so you can use GoDaddy's My- Microsoft interface. doesn't do this themselves. They have to, you have to go through a domain name registrar. You can do it through, you can do it through Microsoft themselves. Uh, you will need to have a domain name of some kind. Oh, okay. So you, you need to know. Okay, got it. For example, like for the email addresses and all that. Right. And, yeah, so, and, you know, Exchange Online, which is, you know, the now this is the cloud version that, most companies are on it still requires 
a lot of the same like PowerShell and weird configure because you can't do everything via GUI in Exchange. If I want to make a mailbox shared or if I want to do some weird stuff with someone's calendar, I have to do it through PowerShell. Oof. And that means I have to connect to a on, like Exchange Online through PowerShell in a weird way and pass my like Office 365 credential through a terminal session. So uh, <laughs> I, I have no, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good with the uh, Unix terminal, but yeah, it, sounds, yeah. it sounds like you're pretty stoked that PowerShell is... It seems like it's getting upgraded lately. It's 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 guts are. They getting just came out with PowerShell seven. Yeah. It is uh, the coolest thing about it is that they introduced the the more, I guess the term would be parallelization that they can induce threaded yeah. type stuff to allow the for faster. yeah multi-threading scripts. PowerShell seven allows for for that for a um what would be called a, a for each uh, method function oh yeah nice um Very good. that would you could parallelize that and instead of going sequentially through it it can assign you know automatically each uh, task to a different thread on your process Evan, you're basically tackle. a software engineer if you know about for each that a lot of the scripting is very it, it is like programming but it's not in a way because it's very it's so simplified in my opinion, I think it's way you, you're not doing stuff to. I mean, you can use Pro PowerShell and make a program. Like I've done that before. I, I do that for myself, like at home. Like I will write a PowerShell script and make it into a shortcut, and then I can double-click the shortcut, and it'll do all my like essentially automate some stuff I'd normally do on my computer, and it would take clicks, and I can just automate Damn. it very quickly. So. That's why it's super useful to know PowerShell. And I go on the, the sysadmin subreddit and there's always some, you know, every month there's a post from someone being like, if you're not learning it, if you're not learning PowerShell, if you're not, <laughs> if you don't know the cloud, like you're going to, you're deprecated. You're going to be done. You're done, yeah, kid. You're going to be, you're going to be looking for a job soon. <laughs> yeah. All you old sysadmins, you're worthless. Like, it's kind of funny. I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to traverse like directories in PowerShell, but, uh, it seems like a very useful skill to have. Yeah, it's the same same sort of concept as you would have like. I think Linux. CD works. I don't. I don't think LS yeah. works as a listing. No, it's <laughs> dir dir. Yeah, is the listing. Yeah, which I thought was where like, there's a couple, the interesting things and PowerShell doesn't use, the batch like, like CD. They want you to use like a different. They want you to use like set location or something like that. It's verb noun. That's how they do all their what the, what are called commandlets. That's their yeah thi like your things I, like set yeah. mailbox. I, I had to do something the other day. My Outlook was busted and <laughs> my my IT person was wasn't responding. So <laughs> I had classic, to classic. I, I had to launch Outlook in safe mode using PowerShell and. I just like I, I very jankily like CD'd my way through stuff, and then then I had to find like there's a command called find in Unix, which is like you're finding a file name in a directory and all subdirectories. Yeah. And I had to figure out how what the equivalent was in PowerShell. <laughs> like you know, it was like a verb noun, like you said. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. You know. I think I'm just. It's not fun doing that stuff in PowerShell. I, I, I'll tell I, you I'm that. getting I'm getting to the point where I think I'm like 29. I'm just so old. I'm I'm stuck in my ways of Unix. I can't I can't handle your your world. That's uh, sometimes I feel that way about emerging tech and I know that my bosses at previous jobs they were very it's it's a thing with IT to get stuck in your ways and to kind of coast along knowing what you know and as long as it's stable no one's going to complain, right? So Yeah, if you know C++, you're good to go. You're golden. Exactly. C++ isn't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, yeah, exactly. So if you know what you're doing with the Windows environment, however, things like that are changing in the IT world. I mean, so many businesses don't even have on-premise server hardware anymore. Right. They do everything through the cloud. All your logins and everything is handled through Office 365. What's what's the cost breakdown? You think of that over our, over the long run? I mean, that's the th it's how much you're willing to spend, right? So if you budget it out on-premises equipment 
will be cheaper over the long run. But you also have to pay for an IT system admin. You, you'll need a system admin. You'll need support. You'll need to be, you'll need to administer that system. What you're paying for with the cloud service is that you don't need to worry about the actual hardware itself. There's no downtime. Yeah, and if there's a problem, like because Office 365, I think on the subreddits I've seen, they always call it like office, like three fifty two because of all the downtime. <laughs> been. Uh, so in, in reality, I haven't experienced that many downtime issues with office 365. I actually had more experience with downtime stuff with Google. Oh, managing really? Google, uh, G suite stuff, uh, which I, is the other alternate. That's what schools normally yeah. schools will have. SGSU G suite just and to the, from office three, six, five actually. Yeah, so they'll have both, um, at least you know the ones that uh, a couple of them had both G Suite and Office 365. Yeah, we do because we want the Office, you know, apps. Yeah, yeah. Because the because the what is it the Sheets and the Docs. The it's online, not. It's it's, it's not, not, as, not as robust. Yeah, yeah. There's and I used to be like ah like those are just those are fine those are just as good as Excel and then when I went back to a company that was using like primarily Microsoft stuff I was like oh it's so much better it's, it's, <laughs> it's so much better I mean Microsoft has what like a 15 year head start on that stuff yeah like, yeah. yeah of course it's gonna be better and oh, just, plus there's only so much you can do in a browser right it, yeah yeah and they're they're working on that I mean well what's crazy now is you can do essentially google docs type editing but you can do it not in a browser like on word like on your like using if you have office 365 and you have word and that document is in like OneDrive or something like that which is microsoft's cloud storage thing like google drive if you have a document that's in OneDrive and you're editing that on your word in your computer uh Someone else, if they're on OneDrive or they have access to that document, they can open it and they, you can see their edits in real time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So it's cool to have that as like a desktop option rather than being chained to like the browser. Um, and they have, you know, online versions of Word, Excel, PowerPoint. Those are all valid and working, but it, it's, it's still just like how Google Docs and Sheets are limited in a respect. So are those. They can't... Uh, it's going to be like worse performance compared to the desktop version. So, all right, Evan, let's yeah. let's fucking get some, let's rattle off some top things of the week and sign off on this one. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Um, I, Bobby's been uh, very excited about the RTX thirty eighty. <laughs> He's very deprecated at this moment. He needs he needs to yeah. double the RTX performance. Are you going to upgrade? Are you feeling that RTX power? Yeah, yeah. I definitely want a 3000 series RTX device. I currently have an older AMD card. And actually, you know, I think I might wait. It's just dependent on when I receive the Valve Index. Because right. we ordered one and I'm not sure when they're i mean that was months ago they said like 12 weeks oh is until, it because of corona or something yeah and they're just, i mean they've always had supply issues like since release of the index or at least since half-life alex came out or oh like there's been uh, a lot of oh yeah i want to come over and play issues. that so I'm, I'm definitely gonna play that when you get it <laughs> i'm definitely gonna come over yes, and play i'm <laughs> coming over immediately that's that's something that i'm i'm really looking forward to so I, i've been I saw the RTX stuff and I was like, oh, this is awesome. AMD still hasn't come through with their, you know, new cards. And I do like AMD and I want to support them. I just don't know if it'll be worth it to wait for their stuff. NVIDIA closed source garbage, <laughs> but they're really good product. Their GPUs are just amazing. Speaking of, uh, you know, RTX, does, does um, Half-Life Alex support uh, ray tracing? That's a good question. I don't know. I'm sure someone's modded it in, if not. but That Source engine's supposed to be good. Well, it's using Source 2 also. Dude, Val Valve's, uh, Valve's organization structure is so nutty how they just have people do whatever they want all day. I know. that's so, like They just choose, like, I think they just, like, canned Left 4 Dead 3. They were just <laughs> working on that, and it was just kind of like a thing that they just let people work on, and then they stopped. Oh, yeah. I saw, like, screenshots from that or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's it's such a weird environment 
but they make so much money yeah, on it, Steam. It's yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't have to. They could not release a video game for the rest of the time. That, that it's why they'll never. <laughs> it's why they they barely touch like, TF, Team Fortress Two, CS:GO. They barely promote CS:GO. They'll still update it and still do stuff to it, but it's such a low priority. Yeah. Compared to, and all of those have microtransactions and blatant gambling. <laughs> Ooh, I got an email response from Gabe. And have you ever seen that email? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, that's one really cool thing, Gabe Newell. Uh, he will, uh, he has his email address just available, and you can just email him, and he'll, uh, he might get back to you. Let's let's send him a link to this podcast. <laughs> okay, so sounds like RTX 3000 series is on your radar. What yeah. about you? Any any tech news that fancied your your pulse in the last week? Yeah, there's one. Um, this is semi IT related. But there is a 10 out of 10 on the, like, I think it's called CVSS, a uh, uh, database or scale of how bad a vulnerability is uh-huh. for Windows. Or I think the Department of Homeland Security came out on Friday or Saturday and said, you have till Monday to update <laughs> your systems because of how bad this vulnerability is. And it's called Zero Logon, pretty sure. I think that's what it's called. And what it allows someone to do is they can be a normal user on uh, a domain joined computer. So a computer that's connected to the company network and they can essentially over, I think it has something to do not to get into the details of it. Essentially it allows you to elevate to domain admin, which is the highest, the God super tier. admin. You're God. Yeah. That means you administer literally every computer in the network, every user account. So you can destroy everything. So, so this <laughs> is a program. This, is, this isn't a proof of concept. This is a program out in the wild that you can execute. The, the proof of concepts are out there. Like, oh, wow. And they're, it's already been included in uh, Mimikatz, which is the premier Windows exploitation toolkit. What's that other popular toolkit what's you know that's what i'm talking about i mean there's so many uh i mean like for for windows stuff or for just in general like that was on like kali linux or there's, there's always like that one toolkit that you can run on like pretty much any system and it'll look metasploit metasploit yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i tried to like look into that i think in early college and i was like fucking around doing bad stuff man <laughs> and we, like we, we should become a was it blue team or what, what are the people that like attack red get, team it's like the ctfs right like get, get, get paid to attack systems and yeah i mean I, the people who are pen testers they make so much money it's just it requires so much I, i've thought about pivoting to that realm honestly recently because of how much experience i have now as a system administrator yeah but you need to know if you're going to be someone who's developing exploits for whatever active directory you not only need to know how a system administrator and how active directory even works which is extremely complex you need to be able to like write exploit code and write it's ridiculous yeah. like the lowest level code the the breadth of knowledge you need and the depth of knowledge you need to exploit systems mm-hmm. is beyond like like to be able to develop your own because i've read stuff on like exploit db of like <laughs> Some person who wrote up how they developed a zero day for some, I don't know, like, I think they were trying to attack some small, another like hacking group, I think is who they were trying to attack. And they kind of documented this whole thing of how they planned the whole event, sort of like a Darknet Diaries type yeah. expose. Great podcast. Let's give them a shout out. Yeah, shout out they Darknet need, Diaries. They need our one listener to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the main tech news. I you know I patched all my systems, my two systems that uh, had the vulnerability. So good, good, good. Yeah, I'm sure there's many businesses that have not patched. They are not safe. So you would need a you would need somebody inside the network though in order to do this, right? Yes, you need to be inside. You need to be on that local network, and you need to have identified the domain one of the domain controllers, which is. Very, the the computers that manage all the authentication, which is pretty easy to find out. Beautiful. So yeah. So at least it's got that going for it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we made it. Another yeah. one. Beautiful. Man, this is a good nice episode. Job. God um, bless. I'm glad we get to you know shoot the shit just about um, our tech lives. 
I think it's an important discussion to have, and there's so much to talk about, yeah. you know, with the intersection of our fields. And, yeah. and plus, plus, we need to pump out content because if you're not pumping out capital in a capitalistic society, you're worthless. Exactly. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Signing out.